Hello, all my newly appointed best friends. This is your girl, Essence, a.k.a. Essentially Bomb, bringing you our second official episode of Daddy Issues and Dirty Laundry, where we are here to discuss our daddy issues and air out our dirty laundry. So let's get going. I am very, very happy to announce that I have brought back my um, first featured co-host, Miss Patricia. Hey, y'all. So we are here. Um, we want to dive in a little bit deeper to some of the things we touched on in our first episode and just kind of hop into those things in a little bit more detail. Um, so today we're going to talk about black mental health. And this is going to be um, women's edition, of course, which is um, really cool because yesterday, I don't know what I was on, but I decided I wanted to watch like all these different movies because, you know, everybody's kind of separating the um, like the black movies right mm-hmm. now. So I was on Netflix and I was kind of going through um, the different things that were there and for colored girls <laughs> popped up. I love that movie. And I was like, do we really want to go here? Because... Uh, female time of the month hormones and I was like I'm probably gonna cry because I cry anyway but I decided I wanted to go there and I found myself crying multiple times and I realized there's so many aspects of that movie um Mm -hmm. that kind of just transpire into like other people's lives and there's a lot of like mental health stuff there because of the issues that they deal with so I was like how perfect uh you know getting ready for the topics that we're getting ready to cover so diving in, um, let's just talk about black mental health as a whole. Like what, what your opinion is on how the black community v- views mental health. Um, just taking it back to when you're younger, you're taught that that doesn't exist. Like most black families, they tell their kids that's not a thing. Um, you need to toughen up. There's nothing wrong with you. Shake it off. We all struggle. You know, those types of comments. And um, it makes it not okay to feel the way we're feeling. The feelings we feel are real, but it makes it not okay to have those feelings. So then, you know, a lot of people reach out for other things to cope with, whether it be alcohol, the streets, drugs, whatever, sex, whatever it may be, instead of talking to someone. A simple conversation can change your life. Um, so that stigma of in the black culture, no, mental health isn't a thing, is for sure a problem. Um, so it's good that there's awareness. I know you're very well aware of it, and I appreciate that for sure. But yeah, that's my opinion on it, and it's just sad. Yeah, I think even with as much as we've um, come along Mm-hmm. with mental health as a whole in society. Mm-hmm. I feel like in colored communities, not just black, but Hispanic, Asian, um, Pacific Islander, things like yeah. that. Um, we still struggle with acknowledging mental health issues. I know growing up, it wasn't widely something we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely kind of a taboo subject, even when it's the elephant in the room. And... I feel like it, it does more damage than it does good, but we, it's embedded in, in our culture. Yeah. Um, I think I remember growing up and 
just being taught like you don't talk about what goes on in your house mm-hmm. like when you go to school like you don't let those people in your business <laughs> those people right <laughs> yeah those people <laughs> and um you don't talk about what happens in your home and then when we did have clear family members who were struggling with mental health issues I remember like my older like aunts or uncles just being like oh you know so-and-so's a little special or yeah. they're a little touch like and we just like no they there's something going on there they're not just a little special and we weren't really acknowledging the real health issues, mm-hmm. you know, that were going on. And I feel like that's just the way that it is across the board. I still have friends now who, if you mentioned therapy, because that's one of my questions, you know, me working in the mental health field and um, essentially aspiring to eventually get my, um, I, I wanna, I'm going to go for my master's this year, but I, my goal is to get my doctorate. And I want to do um, therapy. I, I, I want to do public speaking and, you know, those kinds of things as well, just mm-hmm. because I feel like sometimes, like even, for instance, this platform, I feel like it will be a form of therapy for the people who do want to come on and do want to openly express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that there's other work that needs to be done on a more one-on-one level, and I know that there are not a lot of black therapists that are out there. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of the things that I've been looking into for myself because I feel like um, even with the experiences with therapy that I have had, um, some good and maybe some others not not so good, Yeah. Um, I feel like if I sit down with someone who is not black, there are certain things that I'm going to discuss that they may not be able to relate mm-hmm. to. And I feel like that may eventually put a standstill for the growth that I need, yeah. especially because I think sometimes I'm worried about offending the person that I'm mm-hmm. speaking to as well. And so it's like, well, if I'm worried about offending you or whether or not you completely even understand where I'm coming from. How can you help me? Exactly. <laughs> How am I supposed to grow? Like now I'm stuck. I shouldn't walk on eggshells in my therapy session. Yeah, not at all. I should be able to say exactly what I'm feeling, where I'm coming from. And then I think it's easier if it, like, for instance, us right now talking about black family dynamics and Mm -hmm. just the black community and how we view mental health um someone from another culture may not necessarily fully comprehend that like yeah so um i don't what do you what do you think the the main issue is like why do you think black people are so so hesitant what i've observed or in my opinion i feel like it it takes it far far back you know you just never a lot of it, I think, is lack of education on mental health and what it is. You know, uh, a lot of people back in the day, I feel like, didn't want to be labeled the weird one, the the one that's special. So I'm not going to acknowledge that I have an issue because I don't want to be special in that sense, in a negative connotation. Um, I think it goes all the way back to our ancestors, though, too, because, you know, we don't go running to other people to help us with our problems. Like you said, in-house, everything's in-house. But it, then it also branches off to other issues, too. What happens in this house stays in this house. And once again, no one speaks on it. No one speaks on it. Everything wants to be brushed under the rug. Um, and mental health, for sure, is one of them. I do feel like more recently, maybe from when I was growing up, probably the lack of education. Um, not even the lack of care, but just lack of education. Not even knowing what it really is. Not really wanting to acknowledge that that's there. So the denial also. Mm-hmm. Lack of education, the denial, um, because if I acknowledge what's wrong now, what am I going to do to fix it? Some people don't want to take those steps to fix things. They think they're fine. Even when they know they're not fine, they still just don't want to take those steps, those extra steps. It's too much. 
So, um, yeah, it goes back far, though, just culturally. I think it's something we've always been taught, like you said. Just, nope. And the main people, like you mentioned earlier, who mainly do you see doing therapy? Not colored people. Anybody of color, not as much as white people. So I don't want to go talk to somebody who is not looks like me. So obviously you don't look like me. You don't know what I've been through. You can't know. Even though that's not true, but that's what most people, especially people that are in minorities that come from urban cities, because that's where a lot of the trauma, PTSD, by the way, is part of that mental illness, that mental health culture. Um, a lot of us that were raised in the hood, anything like that, that's, you know, you got a lot of PTSD. Why do I want to go talk to somebody from a rich neighborhood suburb who don't know what I go through every night? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think that's where it kind of stems from, too. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who may not know what PTSD is, that is um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. And um, it does fall under the anxiety umbrella. And um, it can happen to... Anyone. I think a lot of people, when they hear PTSD, they think about like veterans. The war. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well, only that's veterans the only get place that. You right. Can that's the be only traumatized. Way you get it. And it, it's not true. Like, you can experience PTSD from any event that was traumatic in your life um, that may have, you know, brought on some extreme amount of fear and, and brought things that trigger you to take mm-hmm. you back to that particular memory. Um, for instance, I know I was kind of fishing around and I had someone tell me that they think they may have PTSD from gangbanging. And I was like, you absolutely might. Most definitely. You absolutely might, you know, because you you put yourself in a lot of life endangering situations. And I think it's natural after that to, you know, kind of be on guard and, Girl, and paranoid have as those hell. things. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing, too, is I think we come from a strong religious background most black people I didn't even think of that and one of the things that I noticed that comes up a lot is just go to church yeah when you start feeling a certain kind of way like oh go to church you know you're you're fine that ain't nothing but the devil and you need to go pray go talk to the pastor uh you know seek help there and it's like people would feel more comfortable speaking to the pastor to Mm -hmm. do therapy services and for the pastor to know all your business exactly but they don't want you to go talk to this that white lady over there and a lot of people in the church be the most messy and judgmental (laughs) so it just it's, it's crazy that that is where a lot of people are steered to and now everybody in the church knows your business yeah and you know they talking about it. Yeah. Sister Everybody Mary looking at is, you. You know. You walk in and all of a sudden everybody's staring. It's like, what? Why yeah, was I being Because your mom then went and uh, <laughs> told, all told everybody at the church that she was out here wilding. And so now you, you But didn't know, want you in. to speak on it. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Now they're looking at you like you're a heathen. And <laughs> <laughs> or Jezebel. They don't want you, you know. Yo, at my job we used to do, I know, side note. We used to do um, Bible studies with the, it was a black man who would come do the Bible studies. And um, I walked in late, so I thought they already prayed for the food. Girl, I grabbed a piece of pizza, and he called me a heathen. <laughs> he almost got cussed out. But I, I was in a professional setting, and it caught me off guard because I didn't think that's what he was going to call me. But I was like, I'm sorry. I thought you guys already prayed. I'm just barely walking in. I'm hungry. But yes, it, it's no, he didn't. Raggedy ass. Yeah, no. <laughs> Raggedy ass. <laughs> Um, there can there can absolutely be a lot there, and I'm not saying that um, 
you shouldn't use your faith as a mm-hmm. tool to navigate through your mental health because by you know no means am I saying that I, I do feel like prayer works whatever you know God it is that you worship whatever you choose to call the mm-hmm. God that you worship the the higher power I do believe that that connection you know is important and it, it can bring strength where strength may not have existed before but I do not believe that that is all um mm-hmm. I feel like God helps those the universe helps those whatever you want to call it Allah whoever um helps those who help themselves at, at mm-hmm. a point you know so it's like you're going through something and let's say you let's say you're drowning in the mm-hmm. middle of the ocean right and you pray to God to send you a boat to rescue you Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the day, God might send that boat, but you got to swim to the boat. boat. You exactly. have to go and put yourself on the boat so that you can go. And it's like, God's not going to send this boat and then magically lift you out of the water and just stick you on there. And now you're saved. Like, no, like here, I've, I've given you the tools. Here's mm-hmm. what you need to get out of this situation that you're in. Now do the work. Yep. You got to do the so, work. Um, when I worked for Pacific Clinics in my early 20s, I remember one of my coworkers when we would go, we would go do presentations in the community and we would talk about um, how to overcome stigma because mm-hmm. that was the whole design for our, our program. And she, she talked about having a basket of things. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, when you're sick, you might need multiple things. You might need yeah. water to hydrate. You might need to take a little, you know, NyQuil at night. You might need extra vitamins. Congestion. You might need some tea. It's about having multiple things in order to help you get to that place of healing. And I feel like that's the same when it comes to your mental health as well. Yeah. Um, there's absolutely nothing to be afraid of when it comes to that. Um and a lot of us are experiencing, mm-hmm. you know, things that we need help with. Uh, one of the things that I know kind of comes up a lot is depression and anxiety. And they're like cousins, really. Yeah. A lot <laughs> I mean, of the times yeah. you find one and then you find the, the other. other. In the midst of it. And it's not uncommon to see them kind of piggyback off of each other. And it's like those that's the worst two things you can kind of be dealing with because yeah. you're depressed and you have no desire to do anything no motivation to do anything you might find yourself sad for no reason and kind of having all these negative thoughts and then you're also anxious so like you're overly worried on the inside and just kind of on edge and how do you solve what you're on edge about when you don't even have the motivation to to get up today you know um and it's good to just be educated on um what anxiety and depression is because some people i think self-diagnose without actually knowing you know, um, it's very common to have a bad day. It's very common to have a bad week, um, even a couple weeks, you know, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily depressed. You might have just been down in a funk. Um, that happens also. And I'm not saying you are or aren't, but just be educated and just actually get it diagnosed by someone who specializes in that field before you decide to self-diagnose. So um, you don't have that label on yourself if that's not the case. Um you know, and anxiety also the same thing. Just we all can develop anxiety in different situations, but there are different types of levels to anxiety. Some were that they affect your everyday life from doing just basic things like going to the store, um, going to school, things like that. So just know the different levels and the level that you're on. So when you do cross a level where you cannot reel yourself back in in those situations, get the help you need. So just know your levels, know your limits. And when you need to call out for help, 
Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, and since we're focused, this is this is the Black Women Edition. I feel like a lot of women, we um, we suffer in silence. Girl, ain't that the truth? And um, I'm gonna take it into our next little talking point: the strong Black woman stereotype. So I want to just kind of <laughs> dive into how that yes. affects our mental health and um, our people. You know essentially seeking help asking for help because i know for a long time i had a i, I still let me let me because we all best friends here remember rule number honest. one of my friendship <laughs> is no judgment so i still struggle with asking for help because of that strong black woman stereotype that's kind of embedded we hear it our entire mm-hmm. lives other people have that same stereotype i mean there's only a few stereotypes that Black women, you know, kind of fall into. They've kind of sectored us off into like maybe like four main things. Like we get to, we could be the angry black woman, strong black woman, um, the Jezebel. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one um, that I'll look up because I don't want to misquote. But I feel like that affects the way that we operate in the world and what we do um, because we are taught that we can endure a lot. Mm-hmm. both physically and mentally. And I think a lot of the time, sometimes we shut ourselves down because we feel like I'm supposed to be strong enough to handle this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get my ass up and I'm going to take care of what I need to take care of. And a lot of the times we're sweeping all of those things under the rug when really we're just creating a pile of shit that needs to be addressed. Exactly. It's, it's just hidden under there and we're hindering ourselves. Um, it's going to cause future problems for sure, especially for anybody that is supposed to be walking into your life or even, how do I say it, especially on an intimate level in a relationship. You've already been on your own. You're doing everything by yourself. And then when somebody does come across trying to, you know, get to know you, want to be a part of your life, you kind of already have that guard up like, I really don't need you. And that is very detrimental in a relationship to feel wanted and needed. So when you have that attitude of I don't need you I've been doing it I could do everything by myself like you push a lot of people away um when you have when you develop that attitude but having that strong black label does sometimes a lot of times actually develop that type of attitude because you have been doing it by yourself you can do it by yourself but should you should you really be doing it all by yourself do you have to exactly you shouldn't have to and so it's unfortunate and I think if you were mentally healthy you know, on a normal scale or whatever, a regular scale, you develop actually mental illnesses in the process, that anxiety, that depression, all the things that come with it because of so much weight of everything. You're holding it all in. You're not talking to anybody because once again, remember, I don't need your help. Right. I don't need nobody help. It That's a lot to take in mm-hmm. until eventually it, it erupts. And then now you have a very serious problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, one of my common things that I would tell myself is I've been through worse. Yeah. And it gets, it helps you though. That does help you. It does. So you think. Yeah. (laughs) It it helps in the moment of being motivated Mm -hmm. and being able to, you know, pull your your bootstraps up and keep going. But then you find yourself taking on a lot of stuff. And I think one of the things that I'm learning how to do now is separate what is my emotional weight to carry mm-hmm. and what isn't because I'm often oh, that yeah. strong black woman or just a strong woman period for all of the people that I surround myself with mm-hmm. and so then ultimately I find myself taking on a lot of their emotional weight yeah. as well 
And that becomes really hard when you're already going through your own shit. Because a lot of the times I'm putting what I need to be taken care of to the side. Like, let me help this person. Because if I don't help them, who's going to do it? Exactly. That's me all day. All day. And sometimes I'll cry about it, you know, because I'm stressed and overwhelmed and don't realize that's part of the reason why I'm stressed. Because I'm constantly wanting to help others, but we lack uh, self-care. We lack Mm -hmm. a lot of self-care. And... We cannot effectively help others if we are not A1 ourselves. So although in the process of helping others and we got it done and we weren't A1, in the end, to give your best foot forward, you have to be at your best. To give the best advice, the best help possible, you have to be A1. So we do have to stop and think like, say no sometimes. It doesn't mean you don't love this person any less. Doesn't mean you don't like them. It doesn't mean that you're mad at them. You come first and it's okay to be selfish because guess what? That one time you said no to get yourself together, now you can come back and help them 10 more times. Mm-hmm. But go ahead and help them in that, the one that you're like, uh, oh my gosh, I can't, but I have to. And then now you down. Mm-hmm. How can you help them those 10 times after? Right. I'm depleted because yeah. I I poured into you what I did not even have to, to pour. pour. Exactly. And then you are left feeling so drained. And the other person that you've helped is full. And, and they, they didn't think twice to even, hey, you good? You you good? No? Okay. Thank you for helping me, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So one of my practices that I do do now, um, just because I've, I've taken the time to think about what I didn't like that other people would mm-hmm. do. And I know that sometimes I would be full of, like, emotions. And then I have my set people, right? Because I, I still, like I said, have trouble asking for help. But I do feel confident and comfortable enough with a few women in my circle mm-hmm. to where I feel like they're um, competent enough to be able to help me. Yeah. Because one of the things that I used to do is second guess my support system as well. So I would feel like if you haven't been through what I've been through Uh and you don't deal with my daily struggles and then I'm always the one who's helping you, how the hell are you going to help help me me. and you can't even help yourself? And that's not always true. And so one of the things that I've tried to do now because I would find the ones that I do feel are strong enough, Mm -hmm. then I like emotionally dump everything onto them, right? So now they're stuck carrying all my emotional weight. And sometimes they're not in a place to be able to handle that. Exactly. So I try to take the common courtesy and ask my friends how they're doing first and ask them if they have the emotional capacity to take on whatever it is that I'm going through right now. Um, because I need their support yeah and learning to not be offended when someone can't because I often found myself being offended when people aren't there for me Mm -hmm. the way that I'm there for them and um I use this in love I use this in friendships I use this in work relationships. We are all designed differently mm-hmm. and we all have different capacities in different categories at different times. We can endure. So sometimes I might be a gallon and you might be a cup mm-hmm. and I can fill you up multiple times. Whereas you might give your all, right? Your entire yeah. cup to try to fill me up. But I'm and never that's all you have to, to give, give and you'll never be able to fill fully do yeah. that, right? So that was a good metaphor. I try to <laughs> I try to be cognizant of that uh, moving forward with my friendships because I feel like that's how you can keep an emotional balance yeah. and keep your relationships 
healthy, but sometimes we're in a, a state of crisis. Yeah. And, and so you're we looking don't have for that. any direction. That's a good, um, mature thing to do though. How, you know what I mean? It's like, how long does it really take someone to realize like, damn, before I come over here and dump all my problems on this person, what are they, what are, you know, how are they doing? What are they doing? Can they even handle this? So that's a good thing because you do realize that from you not being able to handle when people dump their shit on you. Mm-hmm. So that's a good, um, a learning point to learn from for sure. That that's dope. You really have to be mature enough to be that selfless. Cause a lot of times we're selfish. I don't care what you're going through. I just need you to help me. And a lot of times, like you said, in crisis, you don't think to ask the important things and the important things is how are you though? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really dope though. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It took some, it took some time. Yeah. It, it took as some time. As long as you make it, you know what I mean? And don't give up to get there. Yeah. Now and, you can help other people in that process. And shout out to my, my, my ladies of support, um, simply because a lot of the times what ends up happening, what I've noticed with, with my good, my good sisters, um, <laughs> we, we give and take. Mm-hmm. So I'll start the conversation like you in a good space. You got time to listen. Can you can you handle this right now? Yeah. What's up? OK, blah, 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 blah. Talk, 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 talk. Here's all my emotions. I don't know what to do. I'm trying to sort through them because sometimes it's hard to step outside of our own self. Exactly. And we need that other viewpoint in order to to kind of figure things out, you know. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening in these conversations is they'll hear me out. They'll give me their advice. They'll tell me where they're feeling. They'll validate my feelings, which I think is important because sometimes they don't agree. Yeah. And then they'll still validate. Still have to because how I feel, you can't dictate that. Right. And um, I'm a strong believer in your feelings are your feelings. Right. Like so what led you to feel how you felt could be false. Like Mm -hmm. someone could have told you a lie or you could have perceived a situation wrong. But your feelings, your emotions, that's your natural response to whatever happened. And then how you respond, you are accountable for as well. Exactly. Um, So those are the only two things that could be, you know, false or good or bad or whatever you want to call it. But you're natural emotion to whatever has happened that's that's that is what it is it is what it is yeah. so um what ends up happening is I'll, I'll i'll dump they'll pick it up they'll help me sort through it and then i'll go okay now what's been going on with you yeah and then they'll like girl let me tell you like you know i've been going <laughs> through this instant. and this and like, that okay, yeah <laughs> like so once i'm good now boom tell me what's up with you so I can help you too because at the end of the day it's a it's about being support for each other mm-hmm. and not so much for ourselves and um I think that that helps with a lot of the the mental health factors too because I have a lot of friends who who aren't open to therapy yeah. and sometimes I am their only therapist yeah um which is kind of one of the things aside from having my own like family things that I wondered mm-hmm. and, and being so intrigued with like human behavior and the thought process and why we do the things that we do. Mm-hmm. One of the main things that kind of got me there too, was just like, damn, I'm always listening to somebody's <laughs> problems and I am always giving advice and I think I'm kind of good at it. Yeah. I need to get paid for this shit. So then I, I started well. thinking about like, Oh, well what career path can I go can down? You, go you know, where this is what I can do. And I'm passionate about it. I love it. Um, I love everything about human thought and behavior. I do too. It's crazy too. Like just even taking those classes and how the brain works and you're just amazed. Like, damn, like that's why I do that. That's why they do that. It makes sense now. It does put a lot of pieces together for you when you look back on things that you 
didn't understand at the time maybe and then take those classes and I know school isn't everything but when you are like you said passionate about something and you go to school for it you are very much interested you're very much dived head first in like oh okay this is something I want to learn about this is what I'm going to learn about and you're you're very attentive to what's going on versus a class of like fucking what is it anthropology <laughs> Nah, you know, okay, shout out to your anthropology majors if that's what you decided to go into. It wasn't for me. Me, me neither. Okay, me and I had to take it twice for two different levels, okay? But yeah, yeah that human behavior. Um, if you haven't taken a psych class, take just an intro. Take just an intro and just see what you think about it because you can learn, whether you like it or not, you will learn so much about it mm-hmm. just in a basic general class. So do that if you can. And again, shout out to the psych majors that are out here trying to do the work, especially if you're black. Again, it's so needed. It's so needed. And if you're not black and you're listening and you are a person of another color, Mm -hmm. get out there, too, um, because your people need you as well. You know, because even if I'm going to be honest, even having someone who might remotely be able to relate to me would still be better than me mm-hmm. going to somebody who I know completely doesn't understand. Exactly. You know, like if I came across a, a um, Latino or Latina therapist, I'd still, I guess, prefer to deal with them because they do deal with similar struggles mm-hmm. and they're, although they are not the same, they may still be able to comprehend, you know, the things that I'm going through and experiencing because we have a lot of similar family dynamics. Uh, mm-hmm. We typically tend to grow up in the same kind of neighborhoods, you know, we share yeah. a lot of uh, common things, you know, as far as our sense of family and sense of pride and the way that we, you know, carry ourselves yeah. in the world and who we let in and who we don't because I think we are um, a people of pride and that ultimately is what gets in the way, I think, of a lot of us um, getting pride, the help yeah. that we need. Like, I don't need no damn help. Right. Like, I'm fine. Like, it's such a bad thing. And it's like, damn, why? Like, uh, it's frustrating because you don't know the exact answer or reasoning why because there's so many. It's so broad. There could be so many reasons why people are just like, I don't need help. But I think it maybe it's some people view it as a weakness. Mm-hmm, a weakness and and you got to be vulnerable when you're just spilling out how you feel and why you think the way you think the way you do the things you do the things that's happened to you that your experiences that takes a strong person so it's sad that it's viewed as a weakness when really it's you being even stronger mm-hmm. than somebody you know who is considered physically strong you're actually being stronger because it takes a lot out of a person to just in, indulge in that kind of openness with somebody you don't even fucking know <laughs> yeah it's hard to do it with people you do know exactly it's uh, very difficult let alone someone you don't know um but there is a lot of strength and vulnerability a lot of strength um we just got to change the narrative on that absolutely so with that being said i want to dive into our personal struggles with mental health and um you know some of our experiences and the things that we did to overcome them and, um, you know, where we are now <laughs> in that journey. Yeah. Um, if you are more comfortable, I'll go first. Yeah. Okay. I'm over here in my little heart's where I'm like, okay, I could do this. <laughs> a little, I could do this. A little butterfly. <laughs> little um, butterfly. So for me, I touched on a few things last time. Um, as I did disclose, I did lose my dad to suicide. Um, my dad struggled with depression from you know what I can tell here there could have been 
other things going on. Um, there was some issues with addiction going on there as well. Um, and again, this is a generational thing because his father struggled with the same things, um, also committed suicide, which I believe could have been a result of depression. And I also know that he dealt with addiction. Um, my grandmother, same thing um, with committing suicide. So obviously that depression had to have been there as well. I did hear someone once tell me, and I don't know how true this is because again, I didn't know and I don't believe that they ever went to any doctors to personally be diagnosed. I do believe someone told me that they thought my grandmother was manic depressive, which is the old term for bipolar, bipolar. disorder, mm -hmm. um, which is what I've been diagnosed with. Again, I've um, been diagnosed with bipolar type two. So again, it's not the same um, as bipolar one where people are going into full manic episodes. I experience what they call hypomania, but I do experience that depression, those deep episodes of depression. And I thought that about myself for a long time. Um, never said it out loud to anyone. And um, I actually wasn't diagnosed until my late 20s. Um, prior to that, I did know that I was suffering from just depression by itself. I did know that I was dealing with anxiety by itself. And then later, um, I was also diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder because of the experiences that I did have um, with my dad. So... Um, I feel like it's, I had a genetic predisposition mm -hmm. to develop some of the things that I developed. And a lot of us can have that, but it may take something to trigger that. So you can have yeah. this and be in a healthy environment and you, it may never reveal itself. And then you can have these things that you're, you know, genetically predisposed to, and it can take one incident to trigger you and, you know, bring that to surface. I know that a lot of people don't even see the first signs of any type of mental health issues until they're in what's called like their transitional age youth, which is uh, 16 to 25 on average, but it can appear later and it can appear earlier. Um, I think my depression is harder to mask than my anxiety. I'm more vocal about my anxiety, however, because I can be anxious in a simple situation like you cooked some food and there's a lot of options on the mm -hmm. stove right now. <laughs> and I walked into the kitchen and I don't know what I want to put on my plate. And yeah. so that might make me anxious because I feel like the people behind me are waiting for me to move. Yeah. Or even in like the store, like if I'm taking too long at the, you know, with the cashier, I'm worried about how everybody behind me is feeling. feeling. And now I'm feeling anxious. Like, oh my God, I'm in the way. I need to hurry up and move. You know, those mm -hmm. are like my regular little, Girl, little things. And I do sometimes, <laughs> now I feel like that. But I remember like when I didn't have a, a hold on it, yeah. I would be like, oh my God, like I'm anxious. And sometimes I'm anxious and I don't even know what Why? the fuck yeah. I'm anxious for. And I'll, and I'll express that. Like I'm having anxiety right now. My depression on the other hand, it looks different, especially because we live in a world where we're constantly on social media. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy to mask when you're not feeling okay. Because if I'm 
posting the memes that I'm posting. I'm laughing. I'm commenting here and there. It seems as though I'm still interacting. But for all you know, I've been in my bed for the last three days with the lights off and I don't even want to get up to shower. You know, I have no energy to even get up to eat. I might be ignoring your phone calls or your text messages. And now you feel offended by me not answering you. But really, I'm just not in a space to communicate like I'm not myself and then it's just easy to zone out and and with that anxiety and things it's it's scrolling on your phone and sometimes it helps to relieve those things Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not meant to be um, a personal thing Um, now that I'm more aware of the bipolar disorder um, I think one of the main things that I struggle with is not so much the depression because that's kind of been normalized in mental health because uh-huh. we we talk about depression we talk about anxiety mm-hmm. um, but it's not everybody's not running around with mania or hypomania exactly. and that is one of the things that I have a harder time explaining to people who don't get it um, and to be honest with y'all I think I just came out of a hypomanic episode I was sleeping maybe like four hours a day if that and I was just ready to go and I think sometimes I I can't tell if I'm drinking more and partying more because I'm in a hypomanic episode or if me drinking and partying sent me into a hypomanic episode. And um, it's hard, like, because if you're not aware of what your triggers are, you'll find yourself doing a lot of things and you'll have no explanation as to why you're doing it. I know one of the main things that I used to hide Um, which I think is what made the psychiatrist this time around be able to say, oh, you know what, I think this is, I think you're cycling, is the amount that I was drinking and the amount that I was partying and and the um, emotions underneath that. And also just my my lack of inhibitions, the promiscuity that you would see during those episodes. Because there were times where, again, rule number one, no judgment, (laughs) putting myself out there. There were times in my past where like I might have been with different people in a short period of time. Like, and I never really thought anything of it because they were all people that I had already dealt with. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I call myself just having fun. But if I'm, you know, with this ex on Monday and then the next day I'm with somebody else on Tuesday and the next day I'm with somebody else on Wednesday or even if there's like a day apart uh, most people are going to morally feel like okay maybe I shouldn't you know be moving so fast yeah but in that space I don't think about it you're just like it's it's something to be doing yeah it's nothing nothing to do it's no big deal I'm just living my life I can I can but yeah, take a step back and actually look, why am I doing it? Yeah, being super impulsive. Like, yeah. uh, I have tattoos, piercings, all kind of stuff. And then looking back, whenever I decided that I wanted these things, I wanted them now. Like, if I'm like, oh, I want to go get my tongue pierced today. It's yeah, like it 18 happened. when I did that. It had to happen that day. Like, yeah. come on, let's go. Like, we have to do it right now. Like, and going and just doing Do you shit. know why you did those things? You know what I mean? Do you feel like there was something underlying that made you act impulsive? No, I really just think it might have just, just been the hypomania. Oh, okay. <laughs> Looking like, back on oh, it, yeah, like we gotta do it right now. Like we have to do it right now. Like I'm coming to get you. Let's go. And I don't regret any of those things. Those are things that I wanted, and I knew that I wanted them. But that does not mm-hmm. mean that there weren't times where I did wake up and regret something that I had done. Yeah. And that's a shitty feeling. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like my struggles. Um, that I had, um, again, not being able to control certain things on the outside and, and, and dealing with 
um, my eating disorder, which we'll get into a little bit deeper in like another episode. But I know that that ultimately had to do, aside from me trying to keep a certain physical appearance, a lot of that has to do with control. Yeah. And a mental. Goes yeah. Back to mental. I can't yeah. control any of these other things, but I can control this. And underlying that was that depression. It was yeah. that anxiety, and you know, trying to find an es- escape from those things. What made you finally want to go and get help? Um, having crying spells out of nowhere and feeling like I was losing my mind, uh, because I would find myself just hysterically crying, right? Like in the car or wherever, out of nowhere, just this like burst of emotion. But going back to that strong black woman thing, I would allow myself to do this for just a few minutes because I, um, I don't know how everybody else feels, but I was often uncomfortable with crying because I did feel like it was a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. I remember when my dad did pass um, and I don't think anybody meant any harm by that. I think they just um, moving forward, they just wanted to say something, you know, like to kind of help you find your strength. They would tell me things like, you um you got to be strong for your mom you have to be strong for your sister you know don't cry like it's okay you know he wouldn't want you to cry um you know be strong be strong so then you damaging that yeah so then in my mind you know at 10 I started equating crying with weakness because not crying meant I was being strong you know so then I took that with me growing up and so then when I was having these crying spells and I did not know where they were coming from and what was going on I only gave myself a small period of time to let that out and then I felt like I had to pick myself up and keep going wipe my tears and let me walk in the house like nothing is wrong let me go in here and crack jokes like I always do let me go in here and you know help like I always do Mm -hmm. and that that becomes damaging as a habit, sure. you know, moving forward. Because you're not really dealing with what's wrong. You're not really dealing with what you're feeling. And dealing with the the past issues or any sort of feelings, dealing with present ones is very important to your mental health. Because when you start just building up all that stuff and like, no, nah, I'm good, pushing it further, further down, eventually you only can push it down so far until it gets full. When something gets full to capacity and then it's expanding beyond that what happens you pop mm-hmm. you know what i mean so instead of doing that keep continuously emptying that um you know your cup of feelings empty them pour them out so that way new feelings can get in there and continue to just keep recycling them out express them it's very healthy it feels good it makes you feel better for those of you who don't do that do it confide in one age it just takes one person to confide in because your mental health is very important and those buildups do affect your mental health tremendously yeah so going to therapy um i remember one particular time where i was just expressing some of the things that i had gone through and and they weren't things that i talked about so i do want to note that talking about things lessens the power that it has over you Mm -hmm. um so the more that I was talking about things like now I can talk about certain things and not cry but there was a time in my life where if I started telling you about the things that happened in my childhood or that were going on in my life currently I would just immediately kind of tear up and I remember being in therapy the very first time I ever tried and 
I kept apologizing to the therapist because I was crying. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like getting the tissues. And she was just like, why do you keep apologizing? Apologizing. Like this is (laughs) your space, right? (laughs) This is your space. Let it out. And I'm just, I told her it makes me feel weak. Like it makes me feel weak. And so she, you know, wanted me to get comfortable with crying. Mm -hmm. Still not all the way there. But it is something that I'm trying to allow myself to do um, when I feel like I need to. Um, and then there's so there's so many other things that come with that and um, trying to trying to better yourself, but then also having to acknowledge where your you know shortcomings and bad mm-hmm. habits are in the first place. So I try to be as open with my mental health now because I want to normalize it. Yeah, you have to in order to be able to properly control it and help others properly. And effectively, a lot of times I feel like sometimes we haven't realized we probably have given somebody some bad advice due to our own personal um, lack of clarity of what's going on with ourselves. So it is very important to acknowledge that. Start with yourself first and then continue to move outward with others. Yes, you only can go up from there. Yeah. So just trying to trying to do that and just realizing certain things. Um, One thing that just kind of came to mind to me in regards to like my anxiety, like anxiety attacks. Right. With the crying, trying Mm -hmm. not to trying to keep everything together and then being like overly anxious. So the the first time I remember having an anxiety attack, as I shared, I know, was in a lesbian relationship at a point mm-hmm. and I hadn't came out to my family yet. Oh, damn. And yeah, a couple, that's high stress. <laughs> yeah, a couple um, people had known. Um, and I remember one time I was downstairs with um, my girlfriend at the time and we were having a debate about something because we used to just debate all the time. Like we just, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just what we did. Like, and from the outside coming in, it might have sounded like we were arguing, right? So yeah. my mom is walking in the house with my little sister, and she can hear us because we're loud. So she's she's thinking we're arguing. And she came in the house, and she was kind of upset because she could hear me all the way down the walkway. So she was just like, what is going on? Like, I can hear y'all all the way down the walkway. You know, like, yeah. just kind of talking her shit when she came in the house. And I remember, like, looking like, oh, shit. And um, her energy that she brought into the house and I don't I I don't know if it was just why are you so loud or if it was just kind of her being more defensive because I'm her daughter and she didn't know if there was some type of altercation and she needed to come and protect me type of thing um but because we I hadn't came out my girlfriend at the time was just like I'm about to go like (laughs) she 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 was not there for any of that like uh -uh, I'm not about to you know be in here and and be made to feel uncomfortable and I remember that night just feeling so shitty because I was just like damn like I love this person. I haven't yeah. come out and I want my mom to, you know, love and respect this person exactly. also. And I was nervous though, because I was like, the only way that this is going to happen is for me to acknowledge the elephant in the room. And yeah. that's that I'm gay, you know, like, and that this is who I am with, you know, otherwise, how are, how am I going to ask for, you know, this to be respected? And I remember, um, wanting to talk to my mom about it but my anxiety would not allow me to do it because I was so afraid of how she was going to respond to me right so I got all worked up and the next thing I know I'm boohoo crying on the bathroom floor in the dark with the door closed and locked and I literally felt like I was having a heart attack like I felt like I was gonna die because I worked myself up that much and I was terrified 
And that was just the first time that happened. Like I've had them happen later on in life, but I remember just being down there, like what is wrong with me? I cannot pull myself together. My heart feels like it's about to explode out of my chest. I'm gonna die in here on this bathroom floor because I'm too afraid to just go and tell my mom what's going on. Feels like you're breathing through a Capri Sun drum. Yes, like, and (laughs) (laughs) I finally had to get myself up. And at the time I was only like 17. So I finally got myself up and I had called one of my aunts and I had told her, you know, what was going on. And she was like, just talk to her. Like, she's way more understanding than you think. You know, I I think it'll be a lot better if you do just tell her. Long story short, I ended up telling my mom and my mom was like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) They usually do. (laughs) And she just told me like, you know, like, I love you and you're my daughter. I'm not, my, my position here is not to judge you or your friends. You know, like I, of course hope that one day this is just a phase that you're going through and Mm -hmm. that you will change but if you don't you know I'm gonna love you regardless you know and after that it was like oh shit my god my mom on my side now I don't care what anybody thinks you know like but just allowing my mental health to kind of take take over that aspect and just going into like this overthinking and then once when it happened at other times I was kind of able to try to do like grounding exercises and stuff like that but it's scary it's really really scary and um, it, it takes a lot of work to outgrow those habits that you've put yourself in, even down to like, again, the whole like bulimia thing. I didn't outgrow that till I was 22 years old. Damn. And I think the only reason why I was able to do that is because it scared the shit out of me at one point. And yeah. I was just like, okay, because I was educated enough to yeah. know. Yeah. Because by it's then dangerous. I knew I had already been going to school. I was already learning about all the different things. And I knew what the consequences of this could be where it could go. And, um, but still, it came down to things that I just, I wasn't dealing with. So I advocate for therapy a lot now, um, or even just being open and talking, you know, building your own support system so that you can have a place to release, yeah. release those things. Yeah, you don't have to go and sit with a random person and talk one-on-one. Just like Essence mentioned earlier, you can talk in a group of your friends. That's a form of therapy. You can journal. That's a form of therapy. Um, some people have that secrecy where they don't want people to know and things like that. That's fine. You can journal, write it down, tear it up, uh, burn it, whatever you need to do. At least it's off your chest and you have that sense of relief, that breath of fresh air. You can breathe again. Um, but yeah, it don't always have to just be that one person, one-on-one Um, I think that is a good place to do it, especially with someone who, you know, they don't know you. So that that sense of, oh, I'm going to be judged by my loved ones isn't there. This person don't know you. This is their job. Think of it that way. This is their job to help you versus your family. Sometimes we do judge our family because we're afraid of them judging us. So while we're sitting here like, oh, they're not going to understand, they're going to judge me, we're in the process of actually judging them. The whole time we could have been talking to them and they're like, uh, where you been? I've been new. You know what right. I mean? Like with your mom, I, I know, I was just waiting for you. And that was really her words. I was waiting for you to tell me I didn't want to ask you because I didn't want you to lie to me. Like, yeah. Those were literally her words. Um, journaling works for me. Um, I also am a big, big, big fan of like spoken word. I love spoken words. So I like to um, write poems, um, short stories, whatever, may have you. 
Um, music is another one, but music is tricky because music can uh, be uplifting, but it can also uh, Girl, take you there sometimes. It aids you in your sadness. Yes. <laughs> okay. So make sure your music selection, if you are going to try some of these things, make sure you're picking happy music. Because I done found myself staring out a rainy window thinking I was in a 90s music video. Boohoo crying oh and, gosh. you know, wondering why. We've all had those times where you put on the saddest song just so you can cry and be miserable. You're like, oh, like, oh I want to be more sad. Let me dive in into this sadness and um in regards to like my mania now uh or hypomania i should say i i kind of lean into it i like it i personally um i don't do medication um i was gonna ask you that's gonna be one of my questions like do you do you take medication no i i don't and the reason why i don't it's a it's a personal choice um there are some people who need it you know and and if you do need it i feel like you should you should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had diabetes, you would take medicine if, if, if it was going to exactly. save you. You know, if you had a bad knee or a bad back, you'll take the medicine if it's going to, you know, keep you out of that pain. So mm-hmm. if you're in a place where you have a hard time controlling it, even if it's just temporary and you feel like medication may work for you, then I say go for it. But for me, I wanted to feel like I was in control, especially with anxiety. Anxiety medication is really addictive. Um, people abuse anxiety meds when they don't have anxiety. Like Xanax mm-hmm. is an anxiety medication. You know and what I'm saying? And I just didn't want to feel like I was a zombie. Um, I, I have no desire to be sleepy. I'm already yeah. sleepy enough as it is. I love to take naps. Um, I don't need to walk <laughs> around and be any I more tired. <laughs> so um, I chose for me, I wanted to try more of like a more holistic, holistic things. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to know myself well enough to know my triggers and to know what kind of environments that I wanted to keep myself in or not keep myself in and and be able to know my body because our bodies tell us so much Mm -hmm. and we're often ignoring it. So I try to use other coping skills um, and those are just some of the the ones that have worked for me. Um, Exercise tends to be a good one too just because it does release those endorphins and kind of give you that high however your (laughs) girl has no discipline when it comes to that so I can do good diets um but sticking to the exercise regimen like after a while like once I'm feeling better I kind of won't do it but dieting has helped me a lot um I am pescatarian right now um I started October 1st of 2019 so I've been doing really, really well. And I noticed that since I changed my diet, a lot of my mental health symptoms are not as bad as they used to be. And then I was doing some reading on the relationship to gut health mm-hmm. with mental health. And they're starting to do a lot of research on that. And they're finding that there is a correlation. And so the things that you are um, consuming mm-hmm. can be affecting the way that you feel as well. So those are just a couple things that may be helpful for some of you out there mm-hmm. if you are going to um, going through um, certain mental health issues. And again, like I mentioned that my coworker said before, it's a basket of things that you need. That you need. So for me, it's, it's like a it's, recipe. Yeah. It's the music. It's yeah. the writing. It's the making sure I'm getting enough sleep because sleep hygiene yeah. has a lot to do with it. Making sure that I'm taking care of myself, making sure that I get, make myself get up and do certain things that I don't want to do. Because a lot of the times, once I accomplish those things, I feel a million times better. Even if that's just, you know, folding my laundry that's been sitting there for three days or picking up my yeah. shoes and putting them all back in the boxes and putting them in the closet, getting up to take a shower, small yeah. things that'll kind of pull me out of that. That, funk. that was me like the last week. 
I'm like, I do not want to get up to shower. Something as simple as that. It's necessary, you know what I mean? I know that sounds like super dirty. By the way, I do shower, so let's not get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Misconstrued. I, I do shower. Same, same, same. But there are times where you just don't feel like it. And it's not, nothing happened. you just like, no, that's too much. It's too much work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, no, the next day comes. Mm, nope, not today either. I'm not even going to eat unless it's yeah. brought to me. Like, And even if it is, I'll probably pick through it. You know, things like that. But yeah, don't be discouraged. It's like... um. You have to feed your physical body as well as your mental body. If your physical body is not healthy, your mental health isn't going to be healthy. So like she said, that whole gut health and your mentality coexist. Um, It's very important. Um, Eating fast food and processed food, too much sugars, things like that, you develop issues physically. So what makes you think it's not going to develop mental issues as well? Mm -hmm. And please hydrate yourselves. Yeah. Hennessy is not a hydrating component. Yes, it is. Uh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not but it's for hydrating. It's not for hydration. Um, water. I, I bad joke all the time. And it's kind of not a bad joke because it's kind of the truth. But <laughs> I bad joke all the time. And I'm like, I just drink water and liquor. But I really mean that. Yeah. Um, because juice and soda and all that kind of stuff yeah, doesn't really all. do it for me. But water all through the day. Like I notice when I'm dehydrated I feel different you know so I want to make sure nasty you know that that's there and um again <laughs> just going back to you saying I do shower like yeah it's just, <laughs> it, it feels it just feels like a weight is on you you know so sometimes it is hard to pull yourself out of there like I don't mm-hmm. know do you watch Big Mouth Oh my gosh, yes, it's so fucking weird. <laughs> okay, but do you remember um, the girl in there when she was going through the depression and yeah. she had the depression cat that was kind of like just laying on her? Laying on her. <laughs> I could relate to her so much because I felt like I had that big fat ass cat like on me oh, yeah. like a lot of times. Like I can't, like I want to get up. Yeah, but I can't. But I can't. And like, sometimes I- you don't get up, so don't feel dirty <laughs> if there, that day or two you don't. Um, but as long as you do get up, because it's deeper than that. I know we're joking, but it is deeper than that. If you are legit in that rut and just feel like you can't accomplish anything as simple as picking up something to eat, taking a shower, the simple basic things that we need, you know, for survival and things like that. Comb your hair, because yeah. dog, sometimes this hair be looking like a bird's <laughs> nest, okay? Because a hat comes I just, on. Okay. Just, I put a hat on. You <laughs> When I'm wearing a hat, mm, probably didn't comb my hair. Yeah. Not for a fashion. Right. Not for It's not for fashion. That's <laughs> because my hair is fucked up. Yeah, just I didn't feel like doing it today. So I said, fuck it. And I just stuck something cute on top of it. So, yeah, because those those things are self-care things. Yeah. You know, going back to that, um, allowing your you to have that space to not be okay. Um, because it is okay Ooh, to not yeah, be okay. Yeah. And I needed to learn that the hard way. Because, again back to the strong woman stereotype yeah I did not want to give myself the space to not be okay yeah. and now it's like I'm not feeling well I'm not I'm not up to to my best I need I need a day you gotta know? acknowledge it give myself a day to to it's do like nothing life, life Jennings said crying is like taking your soul to the laundromat yes I, and I we are hello we are dirty laundry in it right now yes I, I love that in that song I'm like I tell my girls that like it's okay to cry it's okay to feel what you're feeling too let it out honey let it out yeah that's one thing I always tell my girls um I do just for those who don't know I work in a group home with troubled youth teens 
um, who faced a lot of trauma and they go through tons of mental health. Um, we give medications to them every single day, but sometimes, um, I personally don't, like I said, I don't like medication either. Some of the girls that I come across need it. Some of them I believe do not. They're just on them instead of having someone deal with them and put in the work to get, you know, get them through that that pain that they're feeling or whatever it is that they might be going through, they just drug them up. So it is sad to watch because we don't have a say in the medication process. But I tell them all the time, if you're angry, be angry. If you're sad, be sad. You're happy, be happy. However, just because you're angry doesn't give you a right to act an ass, Mm -hmm. but still be angry, you know? So feel those feelings. It's very much helpful. It's very extremely important. You have to feel or else you start hurting others in the process. And hurt people hurt people. So don't be that person. Yeah, As cliche as that may sound. Yeah, it does. And to touch on anxiety again, I literally was at the store a couple days ago and had to walk out. Literally, like it was crazy. I was in there and mind you, it wasn't that many people because of this whole COVID shit. But I literally just as soon as I walked in, I felt a sense of weight. The room got smaller. But I'm like, I'm going to push through it. I got it. I get to the cash register. I don't got it. I don't got it. I was about to panic. I was starting to hyperventilate a little bit. Didn't go in full panic mode because I knew myself enough. If I stay in here 10 more seconds, I'm going to lose it. So I did exit. So it's just knowing yourself, knowing your triggers. I don't know what triggered it because, like I said, there was nobody in the fucking store. But I just don't like going to the store. I think that might be it. I just don't like going to the store. I don't like shopping. Um, I do like, of course, receiving things, but to actually go to the store and get it, no, that's not my thing. I just don't like people enough in the stores to do it. But yeah, we all kind of go through those same situations. Um, Probably not everybody, but like I said, anxiety is a very universal one. That's very common because of our surroundings. And I think a lot of that goes on in our environments is what causes it. Mm -hmm. It's like children who are probably born in a healthy family and then all of a sudden their parents aren't getting along and all they witness is their parents arguing and fighting. That right there can mess up your child's life. That can bring on anxiety. That can bring on those mental health issues amongst other things. Um, One I'll touch on that I've I've experienced not through my parents fighting or anything, um, but self-harm. Self-harm. I've actually partaken in that at the age of maybe between 12 and 13. I've never spoke to anybody really about it. I mean, my husband knows, but that's about it. Um, At the time, I didn't realize it was around the time my dad died. But I, I did it. I would cut my wrists. That was the only place I would cut because it hurt so fucking bad. So I'm like, if it hurts this bad on this tougher skin, cutting my thighs or anything else would hurt even more. But I did it. Um, But I didn't do it for attention. I didn't want no one to know. Never spoke about it. I always wore long sleeves or bracelets. It was never something I wanted others to know. But it helped me. Although it was very painful, I felt relief of whatever it was at the time that I was feeling relief from. Because at the time, I don't think I even knew. I don't even remember that far back. But being older and a little more educated, I do, looking back, I do feel like that stress, that underlying stress of my dad dying, the underlying stress of... um, Just having to always be perfect in my family, like you mentioned, be strong, be strong for your mom. And I'm like, what? She's the adult, though. So I got to be strong for her. (laughs) You know, as a kid, you're like, what? You just don't understand it. So you you're like, okay, an adult told me that I had to do this. So that means that's what I'm going to do. How can I do that? 
how will I do that? And um, yeah, no, actually, yeah, it lasted a couple years on and off because even two years after my dad died, my cousin got killed. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. that caused a lot more stress as well. Just trying to be supportive of the family that was devastating. Though it, it was just a tragic situation, girl. That really was. Yeah, that was. Um, our cousin was murdered, so it was it was tragic as well. So dealing with the death of our fathers on top of not healing from that or not even understanding what even happened and then moving on to such a tragic death, um, that does not help. You just learn how to put a smile on and keep it pushing, but you never deal with it. Never fully deal with it. I'm bad with dealing with death as well. So for me personally, anytime someone dies in my family, um, it takes me years in order to even cry it fully out. It takes me years. Mm -hmm. It took me years for Brittany. Um, till this day, sometimes I'm still confused about it. I just don't understand. Yeah, me neither. So, and then you got, you know, just jumping ahead a little bit, even with Mutter. Recently with Mutter. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we understand his lifestyle, but it's still tragic because you don't ever really expect that. You you don't prep for that. That's not something you prep for and the way it happened. You know what I mean? I didn't understand it. I still don't. And I still haven't fully accepted it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just me personally. I don't deal with death well. I don't process it very well. But um, yeah, sorry, jumping ahead. But back to the self-harm, I did it for a while. until finally one of my aunts actually um, caught me and told me just to stop. Like, it's not helpful. It doesn't help. And just her words being that powerful, I did stop cold turkey. I stopped. And then seeing the scars, and I'm like, oh, it's embarrassing. It, it became an embarrassment but I realized now as an adult, more educated about the situation, I was just trying to take that internal hurt away by having physical hurt. If I can feel it on the outside, you know, eventually it heals. It goes away. So let's cut it. Let's cut it out physically. I, all that pain is seeping through, you know, metaphorically. And once it heals, I'm good. That's not true. It's not true. It can actually spiral into other issues. Um... So yeah, seek that help. Like I said, I never really talked to anybody about me cutting, but it was something that lasted for a long time. And even touching back, I know I'm not even gonna um, mention who it is, but when I was like eight or eight and nine, I've seen it multiple times. I shared a room with a relative, an adult relative, and she, you know, deals with tons of mental health issues like schizophrenia, bipolar. PTSD out of this world, right? I went in the room and she's cutting in front of me in the closet. But it was so, it was weird to be that young and find it to be normal. I didn't panic. I didn't do anything. I literally went to go get my mom like, hey mom, um, such and such is cutting herself. I don't know if you should know this or not. Very, very nonchalant. And just, I don't, I don't know why it wasn't something surprising. I don't know why it wasn't alarming. It was just more like, maybe I should just go tell my mom, you know? Um, so looking back, that's weird that, you know, usually kids are like freaking out. Like, oh my God, look at all this blood. It was blood everywhere. She still has the scars to this day, like deep, deep as shit, like everywhere. So it, it's, it's weird that I just was like, oh, okay. Hmm. What I've learned, um, which is why I'm, I'm so thankful for what I do. Um, I don't know if I mentioned to you guys, I'm a caseworker for one of the local school districts. Um, and I service low-income and 
um, homeless families for that district. And um, in our, we, we are the mental health program for the district, right? So in my office, we have caseworkers like myself, and then we also have social workers, and we also have um, therapists which um, essentially serve as our district's crisis team. Mm -hmm. So whenever our students are feeling suicidal or homicidal or just going through any type of crisis, our office is the office that responds to Mm -hmm. it. And I'm so intrigued. You know, a lot of the times I like to go out with my therapist friends and I I like to go and do these suicide assessments. And I think I have a a little bit of an obsession Mm -hmm. when it comes to like the the suicide factor just because of what I've gone through. Mm -hmm. But I love the process of of helping, you know, because when we go out, and we are, you know, talking to these kids and we are servicing these families and we are being for them what no one was for us. Yeah. Um, it makes me feel like I'm I'm doing something, like I'm a making purpose. a difference in the world, you know. And, and again, I, I felt like I was put here to serve and, and to do the things, you know, that I'm that I'm doing because I would Most do definitely. what I'm doing whether I was getting paid or not. I, I love to get paid, of course. You know, I love <laughs> my monies, okay. Got all kind of side hustles. But when it comes to that, that almost doesn't even feel like work. It doesn't. You know. And one of my therapist friends, because I'm, I'm pretty close to them in the office, and again, I, I feel like, you know, being there with them, sometimes just talking about my personal stuff, I feel like I'll get free therapy sessions. Like, because what's better than having like a therapist yeah, friend? Fine. Yeah. So um, one of the things that one of my good therapist friends told me is just like, when you grow up in a chaotic and traumatic environment, mm-hmm. you thrive in those kinds of environments. Yeah. So what it could have been is that you've already been through so much trauma and you've already gone through so much stuff that yeah. when you witnessed what you saw, it was normal to you because yeah. you were already in a chaotic environment. Yeah. So seeing it was kind of like, all right, let me just go tell someone, you yeah. know, versus someone who's never been in that kind of environment and would probably freak out like, oh my yeah. God, there's blood everywhere. You're going to die. Like, what are you doing like, in there? Yeah. Are you trying to yourself and I think that's another uh common misconception about people who do Mm self-harm because a lot of people think that they're cutting because they want to die yeah I never wanted to it's not um about that at all like it really just comes down to I have this strong emotional pain I cannot control these emotions that I'm going through. I cannot control these things but I can control my physical pain Mm -hmm. and when you hurt yourself like, for instance, if you stub your toe, the reason why it doesn't hurt for the rest of your life is because your body releases those endorphins yeah. the same way I was talking about with the, you know, the other things. Exercise does that with the eating disorder. Mm-hmm. It does that, you know, like throwing up after a while, your body kind of starts to release those endorphins. And and that, by the way, is what scared the shit out of me. Because once once I felt what I knew the books were saying, I was like, oh, no, I'm I'm. Yeah. I'm too far. So let me let me reel pull, myself yeah, back in. Yeah. Back. So with with your pain, you not understanding it at the time, like it hurt like hell, but you were dealing with so much hurt on the inside, mm-hmm. you cutting yourself and that your body being able to release those endorphins to make you feel better. Yeah. It's that temporary high from the endorphins oh, for that sure. then, you know, is kind of like, all right, I'm cool now. Letting all this out and then it heals up and you're like, well, let's try it again. Yeah. And the worst part is being like, um, I wouldn't say impulsive, but that that um, need to get it out again, you don't even let the other ones heal. Yeah, you cut yeah. on top of cuts that mm-hmm. are not even healed. The worst pain ever, but that pain feels better than the inside pain. That's how bad the emotional and mental pain is that you're willing to harm yourself physically 
on top of the pain you already feel just to feel better inside. And um, the experiences that I've gone through have helped me in the field that I'm in. Um, I love doing it. As you were saying earlier, I do want to be a therapist. I am going to go back to school and get a further, you know, further my degrees. And I do want to open up my own um, practice, uh, private practice for that, you know, tailors to black women or black therapists. Yeah, I always wanted to do that. So I'm like, ooh, I don't want to just own the building. I want to be able to work in it as well and own it. You know what I mean? Things like that. But the girls I work with, they cut all day long. They cut all day long. I have had girls come out dripping blood. And the first thing you do is you don't panic. You, okay, well, let's let's fix you up. Let's figure this out. Now we have to assess you. Call a therapist to assess you. You don't want to talk to them. We assess you. Why did you do this? You know, you jump right into survival mode for them because you kind of understand a lot of our girls do it for attention but there's a reason for that attention seeking there's always reasons behind why we do everything and that's why we love this field because we want to know why what caused this where did it come from and the most severe experience that I feel like I've experienced in this um, field is one day a client was in a good mood she already had um, issues of suicide ideation attempts 5150s, all that. 5150s are like um, hospital calls when a child has threatened to kill themselves and it's possible, had an idea and a plan to go through with it, or has actually attempted. And you call the police to come pick them up so they can be hospitalized. So that way they can be monitored and cannot actually go through with those plans. So for those of you who didn't know, and um, we're getting ready to go to the movies, right? Long story short, you know, we have to do our checks because they get into shit. I say five, seven minutes later, we're, I guess the girls were like, someone's screaming. We're like, what? So we're like running around trying to figure out who's screaming. We go to the client's door. It's locked. Mind you, they are not allowed to lock their doors. So we're struggling to get in. The key gets stuck. We finally burst in it. We're like, what the hell happened in here? My client was actually, um, had a homemade noose around her neck. And the curtain rod was snapped in half. The dresser was on the ground, all these things. So my first question was, well, before I even started asking questions, she was hyperventilating. And I'm like, relax, focus on me. Let's focus on breathing. You know, deep breathing, by the way, is a lifesaver in panic situations. If you are panicking, hyperventilating, or have an anxiety attack, deep breathing is a really good um, source of help. So I'm like trying to reel her in and I'm like, the first question I asked is like, why was your door locked? You know, like that's not allowed. So let's start there. Why was your door locked? Her next question, her next answer was, um, I tried to kill myself. I tried to hang myself. Instantly, I'm like, all right, everybody, let's let's exit the room, left the staff in there, instantly went to go make my calls and I called 911. Like, okay, she, she has to go because she actually tried to go through with it. Then she explained to me the process. She's like, I don't know what happened. I blacked out. This girl legit hung herself. She was hanging, but I think what happened was she panicked. And so she was trying to reach out to dressers. That's why the dresser was falling over and she was wiggling and that's why it broke. Had she not reacted that way, like a natural reaction to cutting off of your own oxygen, she would have died. Imagine us walking in that room on her hanging dead. She still has that scar till this day across her entire neck. And the homemade noose she made out of a, a, a hoodie string was the fucking craziest knot I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, where the fuck did this girl learn to make a knot like that? It, w- it was insane. And um, 
yeah, so it's good to know that the therapy that's provided for them and the help that we provide, she's doing awesome now. She was released to go home and she's been thriving in real life and hasn't had any more situations of, you know, suicide attempts and things like that. But man, it was crazy. And to think that it was like another day for me, my coworker was crying. All the girls were crying and I'm the only one like, all right. So now that we got her some help, uh, what's next? You know, but like you were saying earlier, having those traumatic experiences in your life or being around chaos so much, things like that isn't scary for you. It's normalized, which is not okay. <laughs> that kind of chaos is not normal, but I mean, it happens. And I just want to note, since we are touching on that subject of suicide, um, without receiving help, um, it is typical to see someone have a, another attempt within six months to a year um even you know even possibly longer with some people but like on average it is possible to see it again if if the person doesn't go and get the help that they need i know for instance with my dad we saw more than one attempt um oh damn yeah the first time he um attempted to kill himself uh he was gonna overdose yeah, I wrote out a long ass letter like to me, my mom, and my sisters, and he happened to be on the phone with a friend, and the friend called, had his wife call, I should say, and um, he stayed on the phone with my dad, and he and the wife had the paramedic sent to our house nice. in order for him to go on the the fifty one fifty hold, but we still saw it again because there were still so so many things, and then with the second attempt, um, was the um, he hung himself in the closet. And that's when I was in the in the other room. Well, both times I was in the other room. The first time we were asleep, though. And the only reason why I woke up is because I could hear all the commotion when yeah. my mom came out and she realized what was going on, so it woke me up. And then the second time I was up, obviously, yeah. sitting in the living room. I told you guys I handed him the phone, so I knew I knew what was going on. And um, you, 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 there, there's a lot of resources out there. Mm-hmm. So if you are feeling suicidal, please do not... Um, hesitate to reach out and I also want to bring up the fact that most people don't really want to die they want the pain to, to stop. go away exactly so when they realize what it is that they've done if their mind is not set in stone they will try to undo what it is that they've done but it's usually too late yeah especially the ones who are too far gone in a sense um but also when you are that friend that someone reaches out to don't take it as a joke don't take it lightly because that one time you take it lightly and be like girl you plan is the time that they do it and they're successful um and you will feel like shit even though it technically has nothing to do with you but you could have done more so be the friend that does that more even if it seems like oh i'm doing too much calling the cops on i'm doing too much going to their house i'm doing too much panicking and calling their um family members to go over there you're not doing too much because that extra step you took to make sure that they were safe saved their life. It saved their life. So don't be the friend who doesn't take it serious because when you do become in a mental health field of some sort of psych, social work, things like that, every time they say anything about harming themselves or killing themselves, it has to be reported because that one time could be the time that they're very serious. Um, So don't take it lightly because just always think, put yourself in that position. If you felt like nothing was good enough and you just wanted to end it all, But in the back of your mind, you're just like, I just want somebody to take the extra step for me and stop me. But no one took you serious and no one took the extra step. So you go through with it. Always put yourself in that um, 
point of view, that situation. So that way you understand, take it serious, help as best as you can and, um, save a life. It's very simple to save lives. Just being kind, practice kindness. You know, some of those, um, disorders develop through bullying, Mm -hmm. through the constant negativity, things like that. So when you practice kindness, teach your kids to practice kindness so you can save lives by just being kind. And I know it sounds like cliche, like, how can I save a life being kind? No, you don't understand. It's a mental thing. It's not physical, not buying people gifts. Honestly, it's better than buying someone a gift. Being kind. Just be kind because you never know what people are going through at home, what they're going through already mentally battling themselves. Yo, it's not funny, but there's this show. <laughs> it's called um, Fear Thy Neighbor. It, and it's not funny. I don't mean to laugh. I laugh in awkward situations, but the dude was crazy on there. And that right there in that show, and it's based on real life, he like killed some kids and then he killed the neighbors. But because he had a mental illness, but his family did not, black family, did not acknowledge it. They just said, no, he just, you know, he's just um, socially awkward. He's an introvert. They, to- they, they made it seem like his mental health issues was just him being an introvert because they didn't want to admit to it. And he ended up killing the neighbors, killing another kid. Crazy shit. But it, I only say it was funny because the reenactments of the show <laughs> were terrible. <laughs> That's the only reason I laugh, guys, not because he was crazy. That dude was like, um, and I say crazy because it was almost like he, his mental health issue was more like he was a sociopath. He was like a psychopath. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's crazy, guys, by the way. But um, yeah, so just be just be mindful of others. Man, it's very important. We just be sad and shit. Yeah, I think um, I wonder a lot, because as you were saying, like, make sure you take it serious. I wonder a lot, too. Um, and I, I don't bring it up to them because I'm often wonder um, or a little bit weary of, of the response that I will get. Mm-hmm. But I know that my dad told a lot of people or his close friends anyway. I can't say a lot of people, but I know that he brought this up many a times. Yeah. And um, I don't think anyone believed him because of who he was to so many people. Like you're, you know, he, he was that support system for so many people, spread himself yeah. thin and well-loved, like to the point where I've come across people now who um, will see me and cry be- because, you know, Girl. they love him so much and, like, they're just overwhelmed. And I always wonder, like, the ones who knew if yeah. they carry any guilt, you know, because they they didn't do more, you know, to try to stop him. So it's like you, you, you want to make sure that you are, even yeah. if you think it's attention-seeking, still. Still can. Help, help them, help them. And my friends know. Um, my close friends know because of the things that I've been through I'm not the one to play with so if you tell me that you're feeling suicidal I'm gonna be the one to respond I'm gonna be the one that's either gonna walk you to how you go check yourself in or I'm gonna be the one that's gonna call the police on you and or you know the pet team I should say not necessarily the police but the pet team to come out and assess you because I don't know if this is the time that you're serious or not I've actually unfortunately lost five friends from the time I graduated high school to now to suicide and I've had two very close people to me have suicide attempts and you know suicide suicidal ideation and it's triggering for me because yeah. of the trauma, but I also know that they know that they can trust me and they know that mm-hmm. I'm going to be the one, you know, um, to help. And just with that being said, I kind of want to jump in 
to um, suicidal ideation as a whole Ugh. in regards to mental health. Um, because I want to be honest and, and I don't want to say that I've never thought about it. Yeah. I know myself enough to know that I would actually never go through with it just because of the impact. Yeah, the impact that it's already had on my family. But I'd be a liar if I sat here and told you that I never thought about it. Like, especially in times of deep depression. Yeah. Driving home and wondering what your purpose is, if you're loved, if you, you know, the people that you give so much to care about you in the same way. Mm -hmm. And just wondering, like, I would drive past certain places and I know one of the things that would often cross my mind would be, I wonder what it would be like if I just let go of the wheel. That's and me. just let yeah. the car just go flying off yeah. this freeway and just not even have to deal with this would I ever actually let go of the wheel no but those were still the yeah. thoughts that would cross my mind because of the dark space that I was in and um last episode I did disclose that I noticed that I started dealing with depression in like my early teenage years I remember one time just being sad and for no particular reason and I remember sitting in my closet and I don't even know how I ended up in there but just sitting in there in the dark kind of on the floor and I remember just looking up at the ride that all my clothes were hanging in mm -hmm. and just thinking, like, this is probably how my dad felt because that was where he was, like, in a closet, you know, and having those thoughts. And it just, that's when I knew that something wasn't all the way there. But the reason why I got out is I was like, let me get the fuck out this closet yeah. before my mom <laughs> comes in here and I scare the shit out of her for sitting in here or, you know, something like that. So it it happens, you know, it's, yeah. I'm not going to say that it's abnormal, but that I'm, it is abnormal. Yeah. But it's with mental often. health, it's more often than not. And you don't have to feel ashamed about having those thoughts. Yeah. That's just when you, when you know that you need to, do something to help yourself because honestly anybody that I've talked to who has had an attempt and has survived it they'll tell you in a heartbeat that the moment that they did what they did they regretted it yeah you should never you should never want it to get that far but sometimes your mental takes its you know takes its own route sometimes and that's just how you feel and that impulsivity that you talked about earlier it, it comes out pushes forward and those things happen um but yeah, it, it, it's just sad. Um, just to touch back on what you said earlier, I do think you should ask them. Because if they do, in my opinion, or my brain right now, what I was thinking when you were saying, I don't know if I should ask them, I always wanted to, you should because say they do feel guilt and say it eats at them. You even bringing it to the surface, at least they'll, you know, they'll recognize what they feel guilty about, even if they should or shouldn't, that's up to them at least they can try to finally get it out. What if that's like their gateway to get it out and get it off their chest and seek help for that? But right now they're being that strong black man or woman because no one cares enough to ask. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like you take any responsibility? What, what's going on? I think that should, you know, you're an adult. I, it's your dad. You, I feel like you have somewhat sense of a right to know. If they decline, you know, it is what it is. But I think that you should, to at least it could possibly help them. I'm seeing more of a positive aspect from it. Get that guilt off. You cannot progress in life with that guilt like that for so many years. Yeah. Get it off, if that is what you feel. 
so it'd be like a doorway for them to get it off and move forward so you can do it okay on your you know whenever just let it come naturally but i really do think you should do it just to even help you know your purpose is to help I feel like that's a big, I don't know what possessed me to really stick with that, but I'm like, damn, I really think you can help. There's a reason why that came up. Okay, well, aunts and uncles and um, <laughs> godparents and friends and families, be prepared because at some point I, I will ask. Um, but I think the, the emotion, I, I'm almost afraid of the emotion that may come up, you know, just with that crying and, you know, whatever. It's okay. And so I have to mentally prepare myself, but I will take the challenge and um i will uh bring up those difficult conversations because you're right that is the reason why i even wanted to start this platform is to talk about the things that are difficult Difficult. to talk about because other people probably are going through it yeah um i've done a lot of suicide ideation and it's at one point it was embarrassing for me because it's like how am i in this field to help but yet i'm going through shit they're going through you know what i mean how can you be helpful if you're just as down as they are but like you said i would never do it that's just it's just too disappointing i know the the heaviness of it i just don't want to leave behind that but that's my main one the letting go of the will girl that's it it's nothing to be proud about nothing but that is my go-to or like i'll take all these pills but it's literally for me is the car the car is where i'm like i'll just end all this shit right now I'll just let this shit just go and speed up, hit something, you know, whatever. It's always the car for me. Go off the ledge, go off. And it sucks. But I feel like mine usually comes when I just feel depleted. Depleted like no one gives a shit. And not even about anyone else. It's about me not feeling good enough about myself. Not because others didn't make me feel that way. Because I overthink everything. That anxiety of, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this this way. I got to, for myself, I overthink. And that overthinking starts making me do negative self-talk. I'm not good enough for this. I'm not good enough for that. Mm-hmm. No, you can't do that. That putting myself down and those, I noticed, I found the trigger to that suicide ideation of that overthink, that anxiety to overthink and then that negativity I put on myself and then there we go. Well, let me just end it all. I'm useless anyway. You know what I mean? Although we have people in our lives like, you're doing great. You're awesome. You have a purpose in life. And we're just like, what? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's sad that we don't accept that. Yeah. Because feeling like I'm not enough is a, a very common oh, yeah. um, theme in in my world. Uh, I literally, my tattoo on my arm says, you are enough even when you're missing pieces. Because I needed to remind Mind myself. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that was for me. Um, and it's a really nice sleeve, you know. But, <laughs> but a lot of people don't even realize what it says. And then when they do, they're like, oh, like, that's deep. Like, yeah. what made you put that there? And, you know, so then I'm like, well, do you got time? Right? <laughs> you want to really sit down? Story time, I'll tell you. Um, but, but yeah, that, that, that's there for me, too. Um, for you, how do you, what do you feel like your personal stigmas are when it comes to, because we, we we're both in the field, mm-hmm. you know, we, mental health has been normalized for us. Yeah. But then in the same strength, we are both black women and grew up with the culture of what is black mental health. Yeah. And so I feel like sometimes we still have our own yeah. personal <laughs> stigmas that we battle with. Um, what are some of the ones that you think you normally have? Uh, mine's the main one. I'm not about to go talk to some stranger. You know, even though I know a stranger is probably the perfect person. They're not going to judge you. They don't know you. They're solely here to help, but it's still that 
you don't tell your business to nobody else. I have a, um, so that telling my business, you know, to mm-hmm. someone else is no. What the hell? I was raised, taught, that's a no no. So I still kind of, I've still never done therapy with um, like a one on one at an actual office, things like that. I do talk to the therapists that do therapy for my kids. So I have had sessions, but not like me calling somebody doing stuff like that but that's the main stigma that I'm still I'm like I'm trying to educate other people not to do that as I'm still doing it like mm, nah nah hell nah that's me all day like mm, I'm good and that strong black woman stigma I for sure have it I'm always strong for everyone I notice it um at first I didn't but then I'm like damn when I started being sick physically when I started down talking myself mentally emotionally just out of it I'm like, I'm not that strong. Like, when I can't be that strong, who is going to be that strong for me, though? For example, like, when my stepdad died, I took two weeks off from both of my jobs. Thank God I was able to. I didn't cry. I had to be strong, right? Associating Mm -hmm. crying with weakness. And it wasn't even that. I just knew if I cried, everyone else was going to cry. I didn't want to do that to others. But that took away from me expressing how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I ended up in the hospital. I uh, actually, yeah, I actually went twice. Um, Just that stress, hard to breathe, and it was bad. Inhaler, I had to do all these things because I was strong. I was, until I wasn't. And then I was useless. I'm in the hospital. What can I, there ain't nothing I can do for you now. You know what I mean? I was that shoulder. I was that comfort, and but I didn't take care of myself in that because I'm like, I have to be there for others. So that strong black woman stigma, the stigma of hell no, can't tell these people my business. And I'm a very private person because I'm always being, let me rephrase that. I used to always be sneaky. (laughs) I was always being sneaky, like whether it was me being a teenager and like, you know, sneaking and talking to a boy or whatever it may have been, I was always being sneaky. So I just never liked anybody in my business, no matter who it was. I felt like I couldn't trust anyone, even though that was not the case. But now that I'm older, I'm like, um, so girl, let me tell you what happened. Depending on who it is, if I'm close enough to you to be there for you, why can't you be close enough for me to just come to you and, hey, can you can you help me? You know what I mean? So yeah, those are the stigmas for sure that I still fucking go by. And it's like, damn, even though I know better, I still do it whatever out of habit, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> I appreciate you being so open. Because I remember when I asked you, like, are you, do you yeah, deal with these nervous. things? That's what I was like, for. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I appreciate it because it's like, you know, right now it's just me and you, but yeah. you, we are aware that we People are going to have listeners. Us, yeah. yeah, you know, so I appreciate it. But it, it's 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 powerful to be able to say that because I've gotten um, a lot of people commending me over the last you know, two weeks since we released the last one just for being so raw and so vulnerable. But it's like, I, I'm doing this for you guys. I mean, it's for me too, yeah. because it's, I'm, you know, relinquishing some of the power that these things have had over me, but it's for you guys. I, I want the feedback. I want you guys to DM me. I want you guys to talk to me about stuff. I want to know what you guys yeah. want to talk about. I want to know, you know, with other things you're struggling with because mm-hmm. we're gonna go there and in, in all of and the, training, the y'all. we are the therapists <laughs> for myself um this is something that i've actually never admitted to anybody so um best friends tune in um lena earring my personal stigma is um disclosing so much and then whatever opinion of 
of people that people have developed of me because mm-hmm. you know a different version of you exists in every single person's mind exactly. right so but I know the persona that it is that I've set out to be one of the the things that I was weary of with being so vulnerable on this podcast is how that would change the views of the people who love me to to yeah. let them know that I had so many weaknesses and um my main one which is the one that I've never um actually said out loud <laughs> it was kind of weird to say it um is in regards to relationships um I'm not as quick to disclose the mental health issues that I've gone through because I'm afraid that once you know who I really, really am, mm-hmm. that it would be harder for you to love me. Yeah. And um, SZA has a song called Garden where uh, she's saying, like, I hope you never, like, I hope I never find out that you're anybody else other than who you've shown me because I love you for exactly who you are. But I hope you never find out who I really am because you'll never love me type of thing. And yeah. that's kind of how I felt. Like, if I disclose to you how fucked up I really am, are you going to then be able to love me the way that you think that you already do? Because now, you know, I'm not this this person that you've built up in your yeah. mind because you didn't even know these things about mm-hmm. me in the first place. So now when I tell you that I'm bipolar and, you know, that I deal with depression and that I deal with anxiety, are you going to be able to accept me for exactly who I am and actually yeah. love me and then let's move forward? And that's more on an intimate level. Yeah. Uh, with friends, I think it's easier to disclose those type of things. And I, um, I've i come to find that a lot of my other friends deal with mental health issues too. So me being vulnerable with them has actually mm-hmm. strengthened our relationship. But I'm always weary about telling other people um, that I might be dating those those things and um that has sometimes made me more sad because I'm like well it doesn't make me any you know I know better than to think that it makes me anything other than what I actually am you know like I know that I've always been this person and that who who you think I am is exactly who I am but these are the parts of me that make me who I am exactly um but it's still that stigma of if you have any kind of mental health issue like you're crazy so now I don't want to fuck with you type of thing so I'm always kind of weary but most recently, um, uh, a friend of mine, um, you know, who had expressed some interest or whatever, uh, we were talking and I remember I disclosed, uh, you know, that I do deal with certain things. Mm-hmm. And uh, the response that I got was, OK, so what symptoms or what signs do I need to look for in you when you are going through those kind of episodes so that I know how to support you? And his response to me was well, what signs do I need to look for in you during those episodes so that I know how to support you? And then on top of that, how do you want me to support you? And I was a taken back. Like, <laughs> I had to put my hand on my heart. Like, what? <laughs> right. Who sent you? Like, Why are you here? Right. You're trying to get wife, Papa, baby. Who is this? Like, that is a love language. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I've never had anybody so openly accepted comforting too he wasn't moved he wasn't um frightened you know he wasn't turned off he just asked like okay what do you need and it made me realize like well maybe I've been overthinking this whole thing the whole time because it's kind of absurd to really think that somebody can't love you because you have these things because I know that I openly can like 
I'm I pull out of people. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know the deepest things just yeah. so I understand you because that's how you understand people. Right. So have you expressed those? Um, express your mental illnesses with someone and they ghosted you? No, never. So it's just that, a fear. And that's the crazy part. That's why I was like, let me ask her before I tell you about yourself real quick. So you Lana. never experienced it. You've never even put yourself out there. But yet you had that fear the whole time. Like no one's going to love me because you know why that was you not accepting yourself. You not accepting what you're going through. You not accepting all that, those things. So now it's like, if I don't accept it, no one, damn, no one else is going to accept it. So you, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, sometimes we put our own guilt, our own fear, our own, whatever negative vibes and energies, and we throw them and deflect them on others. And it's like, how fair is that to other people? for me to do that to them and judge them the main thing we don't want to judge them like they aren't gonna love me but we're judging them not only are we like projecting we're judging you know what i mean so it's good that you've come that far to honestly i feel like this is a great space for you i'm so proud of you for even doing this because you've opened opportunity for yourself in the midst of you talking about i want to help others you're helping yourself helping others yeah that's crazy I don't know. It was, right? It's just in. It's in the calling. I mean, and, and and I feel like the same with you being able to pull because you see, I'm like, I'm gonna pull, and you're like, I never yeah, talked I about like, it. And I'm like, well, maybe shy. while we're helping other people, I'm supposed to be helping you too. And 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 again, this is this is a, a road for me, also. And I um, I love it. It 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 is yeah. it, it's it's nerve wracking because you know some of the stuff is like yeah, yee. like I'm really about to air this dirty laundry, but that's the whole the whole point of this whole thing so um two last points before we wrap it up because again i feel like we've been talking for about Girl, 10 years I'm like 10 o'clock but i did get uh-huh. here later this time though so yeah it's okay so for you um before i move to the last point was it easy for you to disclose the things that you disclosed to your husband like was there ever any kind of fear of if i tell him these parts of me you know um will his perception change or you know whatever I think a, a, a little apprehension, of course, but we were very young. I've known him since I was 11 years old in sixth grade. So it was, um, we built a friendship, built a friendship prior to being in a relationship. And he was the first person in the sense I've trusted with any of that. So I kind of put myself out there mm-hmm. and he accepted it whole. You know what I mean? But also I was young, you know, we got to talk about how young we were. So I didn't really understand these things. I just was like, let me just put it out there. Um, Yeah. So it was like I was super apprehensive. But since we've already developed that friendship, (laughs) since we've already developed that friendship and that bond, that strong bond, it was okay. um, For me to disclose that information and I felt safe. He's never thrown it in my face. He's never used it against me. He's always supported me. Um, so I feel like the fact that he is accepting me for that, um, it's opened me to offer that same knowledge about myself to others that I do hold dear to myself. I do only tell certain people these things. And more recently, I just disclosed it to like my cousins, people that I know going through similar situations just to let them know they're not alone. You know, things like that. I think the only thing that I was apprehensive about telling him and fearful of is my sexual assault. Um, and I know we're not, I'm not going to get too deep on that because that's something I also do not talk about. Um, 
very freely. So um, that was the only thing I was really fearful of. And not that he couldn't love me, but I just don't like talking about it. It's very traumatic. It's something that still I can literally, um, I have a really bad memory, guys, but that's something I will never forget over the course of years. I will never forget it. I will. I see the images clear in my head. I see it clear if I'm looking out in front of me, I can see it all going down. You know what I mean? So something so traumatic still holds weight with me today. So that was the only thing that I've dealt with that was very hard for me to express. But yeah, everything else I was able to disclose to him and he, you know, but I, like I said, I don't think we really understood the depth of what I was really going through. So he still to this day is still learning me through these um, issues that I still go through. That anxiety is and overthinking does hinder me in real life today and my goals and dreams and things like that. So, um, yeah, thank you for letting me uh, answer that because yeah. that right there literally opened a couple of things that I didn't even think about ever talking about. Well, I'm definitely um, intending on doing an episode on that because I know that that's something that um, I have other people that have experienced. So I will invite you back. What sexual assault? Yeah. Woo. So we can wait until Shit. you know. <laughs> right? Yeah, we can, the reaction. We can wait until you're ready because I know it is. Yeah, I, I'll bring all the all, all the vino, baby, all of it. Um, but yeah, I can get. I think the trauma. does that because it's a a thing like uh, there's something in psychology that says that we don't actually remember our like the events in our memories we remember it the last time we remembered it yeah if that makes any sense it does and so when it's something like that that you remember vividly it's because of the impact that it's had on you so when you remember it you remember all of the details so each time you remember all of the details that's why you can recall it like it was yesterday because I can tell you every detail about you know the trauma that I faced too and the the following events and even the before events where I was what I was doing you know who said what how they looked all of those things so we will touch on that eventually um before we wrap it up I want to um say thank you for being so vulnerable and open with me and I I hope that we are able to help some people I want to let you guys know that all of your feedback has been much appreciated I appreciate the support that I've received from you guys um on this journey um and I have been teary-eyed sometimes reading the things that have that have come to me since I've been doing this and so I I feel like I am definitely in alignment with my purpose and um, I want to continue to try to be as raw as possible and put these things out there because I know if you know I'm if I've gone through it and if you've gone through it then there has to be other women out there that have gone through it there may even be men that have gone through some of these things who I also invite, um, cause I've even got really good responses from the men. Um, I do read your things, um, and I do, um, take them into consideration. So one of the things that came up, um, as feedback was when we're talking about some of these things, um, wanting to know how and not just the what. So one of the things I mentioned in my last podcast was doing your shadow work and doing, you know, facing your demons and those are the same two things facing your demons and doing your shadow work um for those of you who may not understand what that means or or how to do that it's basically having to really self-reflect and be honest with yourself about why you may be doing things so there's like a five why 
thing that happens in the psych field that if you ask the question why five times to whatever the problem is, you're usually going to get to the, the root factor of what it is. Mm-hmm. So when you start looking at yourself and you figure out that you're doing something that you're not comfortable with doing anymore, you now have to ask yourself why. And then when you can do that, that is how you're facing your demons. Uh, going back to For Colored Girls, which the full title of that is For Colored Girls Who've Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Enough. Um, so that kind of fits in perfectly with what we were talking about today. Uh, one of the main characters in there, she had a lot of men coming in and out of her home, right? Mm-hmm. She was very promiscuous, going to bars, getting drunk every night, taking people home with her. Wild with the way that she responded to things, very yeah. explosive. And she was always talking shit to her uh, apartment manager. <laughs> yeah, always, always. If you haven't seen it, if, you, if you've seen it, you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Dandy Newton plays yeah, her character. Yeah, Dandy Newton awesome her name is tangy in the movie and she um her manager finally goes in there and she's like you are basically a fucking mess and you're thinking that this is just sex it's not just sex there is a root to this problem Mm -hmm. and the only way for you to solve it is for you to pluck it at the root that is facing your demons that is you really taking a look to get to why you are the way that you are whether it be addictions whether it be you know you being overly sexual whether it be you being standoffish and building these walls up if you ask yourself these whys enough times you'll be able to start to to heal mm-hmm. what the problem is at the root chances are it does have something to do with some type of childhood trauma um but you'll never be able to fully get over those things if you're not facing those demons my demons were the over drinking my demons were the keeping people at arm's length my demons were you know the way that I would behave during my hypomanic episodes my demons Mm -hmm. were finding myself heartbroken and dealing with the same nigga in different bodies multiple times my demons were my suicidal ideations you know those those things and I had to ask myself why well why why do you keep people at arm's Mm -hmm. distance okay because you know I'm afraid of being hurt Okay, well, well, why? Why? Because I've already been hurt before. Okay, well, why? Well, because I lost my dad this way. Or I've been made to feel disposable. Because that was one of the things that happened. Like, I felt like people could just toss me to the side. I've been made to feel disposable. That's good terminology, too. Well, why? Well, because I'm waiting for everybody to leave and they always leave me. Yeah. Well, why do you feel that way? Oh. Well, I feel this way because... My dad left, you know, like, so getting to the root because my therapist called me out one time, like, is it really this person that you're upset about? Who are you really mad at? And I really had to sit there and think about it. Like, damn, I wasn't mad at the person that I was dating. It had nothing to do with them. I was mad at my dad. Yeah. And I was mad at him for a long time. And sometimes I still get mad at them, you know, whatever it is, what it is like, um, but these are all feelings that I had to work through. So when I say that, when I encourage you to work through your your dark spaces it's just basically trying to figure out your root so that way you can 
heal that root exactly. and you can become a better person. And it's never too late to do that. I don't care if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. It is never too late to become a better person. It's mm-hmm. never too late to become who it, who you thought you would have been. Um, and just love yourself for those experiences that you've gone through because the experiences are who made you who you are in your current state. Um, you can't skip them. You know, like you can't you can't skip any kind of steps you, mm-hmm. when it comes you to, to making it. anything beautiful. Yeah. A cake, a picture, whatever. <laughs> forget the butter. Yeah, you can't forget the butter and the cake. You can't forget the eggs, you know what I'm saying? And if the eggs Ooh, happen to be the ugly experience cake, right? that you went through, you still got to go through it you in order to get through it, you know? So, so I found a definition real quick for shadow work for those who kind of want... Um, whatever like some people like book definitions so it says shadow work involves bringing these unconscious desires to the forefront so we can better understand them heal them and integrate them in a healthy way to bring productive change in our lives for those of you who who would like a dictionary death but um it's everything essence already touched on in a more informal way but yeah most definitely finding out those deep dark things bringing them to the center understand them heal them and move forward and integrate them because sometimes, like she said, things that were in the past still get brought up. Still, even though we have dealt with them, doesn't mean they won't come up again. And then when they do come up again, you deal with them again. Mm-hmm. And every time after that, because again, it's not a destination, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. And best friends, I thank you guys all for tuning in with us today. I encourage you to tune in the next time. Because I want to tell you, I'm super, super excited. Little spoiler alert. <laughs> I got some black men that want to come talk Ooh. about mental health with me. And I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited because it's so them. hard. They don't want to talk about nothing. Y'all know how these men be. They be out here trying to just be real secretive and real closed off. And I'm super, super excited. I'm out here. You know, trying to pull. That's you all pull I'm doing. I'm pulling. pulling. I'm pulling. That's <laughs> it. Pulling. We are pulling. I'm pulling y'all baskets of dirty laundry. I want them. Come to the laundromat. We're we're all getting clean together, okay? Yes. So thank you guys for tuning in. I love you guys. And thank you for having me again. Um, thank you for allowing me to have a platform and just help you assist me, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? You understanding me in this deepest part of me is helping you help me even more. So not only are you helping your audience, you're helping me in the process by even having me here. So for that, I thank you and I'm appreciative. So proud of you and I cannot wait to tune in after your next episode to hear what the black men's got to say. Yes, black men's. We's ready <laughs> so for you thank y'all. you so much for sure for doing this platform. Yes, and keep in mind, Tupac cares if don't nobody else care. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Peace. Bye.